Hello everyone, welcome to the Social Work Stories podcast. I'm your host, Mim Fox, and today is a bit of a different episode that we're recording. It, I don't have Liz Murphy here with me as I normally do. Instead of Liz, I have Chris, Christopher Scott from the Hip Hop Social Worker podcast in um, the United States. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks so much for joining us. And also with, also with me is uh, Ben Joseph, our um, producer on uh, the Social Work Stories podcast. And so this is a really exciting conversation to have. Hi, Ben. Hey, Mim. And hey, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on to the discussion today. Conversation. It's cool. We're so excited to have you with us, Chris, because, um, you know, in Australia, we've been hearing a lot about what be, what's been going on in the States um, with all the social unrest and the lead up to the elections and such a busy time for you guys. And we've been talking, especially through COVID, about the solidarity that's been needed between social workers around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know from your perspective, if, that, if that's something that you've been feeling as well over there uh well um like i feel like um i don't really have like a a world view of what's going on but uh or like an outsider's view of what's going on like you know but we definitely need something um because um it's just getting kind of i mean i feel like it's always kind of been crazy in the united states it's just now it's like you know there's like cameras everywhere to kind of <laughs> show people but um yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, like people are really trying to figure out like what needs to happen. Like I know um the NS the NASW um had like, you know, this um idea of like having a social workers work with police officers is in a sense, but uh, that really didn't go over too well just because of kind of like the you know, the police system in in, a, in like as a whole the United States is kind of built on like uh, oppressing like poor people, black people, brown people. Yeah. So, you know, you know, so, so they were like, hey, before we start, you know, um, <laughs> working with, you know, police officers and things like that, you know, like maybe we should address some of these systematic issues that seem to be plaguing the, the field. So. Yeah. So, so they veered away from having social workers work directly with the police. Do you mean? Well, um, like in some cities they do, but I feel like, um, like, you know, for like the national, um, social work, you know, um, the NCAW to come out and like, you know, like make it a pledge of ours. It's kind of like, no, like, you know, like you got to really relax a little bit and like understand that, you know, there's people of color, like a lot of social workers are people of color and, and we have had some kind of like, um, and we, like, I'm pretty sure we've all had, our runners with, you know, law enforcement and, you know, before we go like, you know, become like, um, you know, sidekicks, you know, um, we should probably address some of these issues, you know, before we go put our life on the line, you know, just yeah. to save face. Yeah, we, I can resonate with that, I suppose, in the Australian context, we, we have to come to terms as, as a body of work as practitioners with our own history in the way in which we've treated marginalized groups. Wouldn't you say, Mim, like, you know, that's very much a part of our social work history is the oppression of others and mistreatment at times. Um, I think that's absolutely right. We've got it. We've got to actually focus, face it on a systemic level 
and see ourselves as people, not just as social workers. Often when we come at it from a professional standpoint, we lose sight of the fact that we are people experiencing the everyday as well. Um, mm -hmm. And face that before we can actually face how we then walk alongside people that we then see as oppressors. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the political climate too right now it's just pretty crazy like uh there's a big like you know like um i, I don't want to say like a nationalist movement but it seems like if you're if you're not for like you know the conservative republican party you're not american and that's like the picture being painted by some not by right not by all i want to say like those people are in the minority well they are in a minority because uh you know uh trump lost the popular vote he won the electoral vote but he lost the popular vote by like three million votes so i feel like those people are in a minority but because social media it, you know anybody can be loud on social media so like i feel like those kind of things kind of are like in the forefront just because you know people are trying to make their presence felt do you think in all of that chris there's an argument for social workers to be head down trying to bunker down and ignore all those outside voices and just focus on the vulnerable people that they're working with or do you think it amplifies the need for social workers to look outwards and have a more macro perspective i feel like uh we definitely need to have a more macro uh, uh perspective especially like because in the states like there's not like a lot of macro jobs or like macro paths that will um you know like that you can make a living off of, you know, and yeah. if you are like a, and if you are like a policy worker, you're like, it might, like, you're like, you're like, like, if you're like person of color, you're probably like one of the only, you know, in the whole office and still like, you know, we have like, you know, like, um, our progressives over here kind of perpetuate, um, you know, systematic racism as well, you know, but they do it with a smile on their face. So they don't really think that, you know, like, they're causing harm so so i feel like um we have to really like get into these buildings in a macro sense and start like making policies that kind of reflect how you want society to look and then we can send like the micro workers to go and like you know deal with that but but yeah like i feel like we have to um yeah we have to really like um see like how or how like you know like even like the nsaw um just like you know hopping up and saying oh yeah you know like We'll work with police officers, which is like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, like you're trying your best to like, you know, um, you know, uh, like, you know, like kind of ease tension, but there's still things that has to be addressed. So for you to just hop up and do that, it's like, you no, know, like there's still like systematic things that we have to address. I feel like that happens a lot. Like, you know, people make policies for what they think a community needs, but not really knowing what a community needs, you know, so yeah. we got to, yeah, yeah. you know, like we got to get a handle on that. There's, there's almost a tokenism there, hmm. I guess, in the, um, the professional body standing up and saying, hey, we should be doing this, um, mm -hmm. or we are already doing this, uh, but it's not, it doesn't feel terribly authentic, maybe. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, because I, I believe the NSAW president is, is a black man. And right. you know he was on. I believe he was on uh, like uh, Good Morning America or the Today Show or something talking. And people just were like, you know, it's this unfair, you know, for you to just kind of just bypass all these issues and just say that, you know, like you're going to send social workers out 
you have to do these things. And it's, yeah, it's just, it just caught, kind of caught people on guard. You know, like, so really? like, you know, and so quickly, like, just like, mm. you know, overnight, it was like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. It's like, hold up, like, let's relax a little bit. It's a really yeah. stark example of that, you know, that debate that often is brought up when you're learning social work at university um, and you're having critical debates, and that is, are we wanting to be agents of change or are we wanting to be agents of control? And I think that this is a really good example of, of how that actually is working out there in the profession. You know, this agents of control working alongside the institutions of the police and, and whatever other institutions are out there that control people or yeah. working as agents of change and resisting and protesting and being out there on you know, the picket lines, trying to create some social justice change. Um, this yeah. is a really stark example of that. True. You know, there was a, actually a social work student that got arrested and put in jail. Mm. And, and, right. You know, and, and there was a lot of social workers who were calling for her to, you know, be released. And it took, it took like a lot of pressure for like, it, you know, for it to get national attention. And it's like, because in school, I remember some professors saying that, you know, adv advocacy is part of social work. Yeah. You know, so if, if that's part of social work, then if a social worker gets arrested, I would think the national body would have to, you know, step in and do something, you know, but. Yeah. Who, who, so who knows? <laughs> before, these, before these current protests, the last wave in the last few years that I remember seeing social work students and social workers quite active in were the climate change protests and rallies in Australia. Um, mm. But before that, I remember there being a massive gap of action by social work students and social workers in general. And I remember being really surprised that they weren't being represented in these more public spaces. And I yeah. wonder whether we're going through a resurgence now as a profession, maybe. I mean, possibly. I mean, just because I feel like, um, well, I mean, I, I wasn't around for the first one. So, so, so all this looks new to me, you know, but, uh, but <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, just because of mental health needs in, in the States and like the poverty in the States and, you know, like, you know, just, just, you know, like, I feel like, so I feel like, you know, like, you know, well, in Portland, where I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't live in Portland, but I live in the Portland area. Um, I'm from Portland though. Um, and I feel like they have this homeless issue, right? But no one will seem to like put two and two together that it's because you, you keep making all this luxury housing, you know, like, you know, you want Portland to have a look, and so you make this luxury housing, but everybody can afford luxury housing. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the, you know, the progressives that make the laws and the, you know, in the, um, you know, like, a, you know, like, in, you know, all of them that sit on city council are just like thinking like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea, but it's like everybody can afford that. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can afford, all, you know, the art tax, the bike tax, the gas tax, and the, you know, in the, you know, all the extra bike lanes. Yeah, like, in theory, it's, it, it's, it's good if everybody lives downtown and they can walk to work, but everybody don't live like that. You know, yeah. so you keep raising like parking, you keep raising parking passes and raising all this stuff. It's just, it's just going to like lead to people not, you know, having to choose from things. And I feel like, you know, like, you know, I, I honestly think that some progressives have, um, you know, like the right idea, but they're just so detached. You know, you know, from the people, and 
Yeah, so I, so so like I feel like that's where they, you know, misstep is like not really being like um, in tune with what's really going on. Yeah, and I guess the question for social work is how do we get people in tune with what's really going on, um, and what where does social work sit in amongst all those other you know people with progressive perspectives um or noble causes that they're flying their flags of uh, wh where's the space for social work in that mm, that's a hard question i feel like i feel like uh social at least from my perspective in the united states social workers have been pigeonholed into like mental health therapist you know like right. you could be a therapist and that's where we want to keep you you know like there's you know like of course you can be like you know like a policy analyst things like that but i feel like um yeah i feel like you know um we like we don't get the respect or we don't demand the respect you know for people to like listen to us and like you know show up and you know have that space like i feel like our space is like oh you're a social worker then i have 200 mental health patients i need you to see things like that yeah. so so as far as like macro change, I feel like Portland is behind, you know, just because I feel like um, from the outside looking in, it looks like a, a safe haven, but there's still like systematic things that needs to, that needs to change. But uh, yeah, as far as like, uh, yeah, space, I feel like our space is, at least from my, you know, where I'm looking is, we're good for, you know, providing mental health services and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing how what other people perceive social work to be then makes social work be. Yeah, a lot of people I talk to uh, think uh, social workers like um, are all like child welfare workers. Yeah, of course we take children away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, or, 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 or we put pe old people in nursing homes. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and I, and I think that that perception exists definitely on a global context. I mean, we get that here in Australia too, don't we, Mim? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm or discharge planners yeah. from hospital, you know, just those very boxed kind of roles. Um, yeah. 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 Hey, hey, Chris, I know that um, we, we kind of jumped into like a pretty deep and heavy conversation from the beginning, <laughs> which, which I love. I love that. Um, but many of our listeners may not have heard of the hip hop social work podcast before. Mm. Are you able to tell us a little bit about what, what that podcast is and, and what you do with it? So basically, um, you know, I just kind of want to like create a platform for myself. And the, and the best way I knew how to do it was to do a podcast because like, I didn't have to get a job with the radio. I didn't have to like, you know, I could just sit down, record and press, you know, send to the, and put it out there. Uh, so really like it started as like me trying to like give mental health tips and like trying to and, like share like vulnerable moment, moments in my career. And I do that, but um, I also like, took it upon myself to like interview different people. Like sometimes I interview people like who aren't social workers and we talk about like society and how they view society. But most of the time I interview social workers to see like their journey through social work and um, you, know, you know, how they got to where they're at and you know, their influences and you know, how they see things going and you know, and you know, what influences their practices and you know, just things like that. And it kind of grew like my Instagram account, you know, like, grew to uh, like to like when people like kind of checked it out you know see what i was posting because i would repost like um 
I would repost like, you know, like um, anxiety tips, um, you know, trauma related content, uh, therapy related content, uh, just content in general, you know, like kind of self-motivating content, things like that. So, so it became like a place where people came to check out. And then, um, yeah. And also like the name hip hop social worker came from uh, like, just not really wanting to, um, what's the word for, assimilate to like, you know, to, to traditional social work. I kind of wanted to bring my own style of social work. And, I, you know, I'm an 80s baby, so I feel like, you know, I'm from a hip-hop culture. So, you know, and I and I, and I was working with a lot of kids, you know, um, well, like, you know, like, um, that's been most of my career is working in, like, the juvenile section or, you know, sector. So, like, uh, you know, just kind of being able to, you know, um, you know, like, being old enough to, like, be, like, their big brother, and like being young enough to kind of like still like know like you know like you know like what's popular in the streets and what's you know just things like that. So, so yeah, so I just it just came from that, and you know, and, and here I am doing podcasts and things like that. One of the things, Chris, I really love about your podcast is how authentic you are on it, and you're quite um, upfront and honest about who you are as a person, so your positionality, but also your emotional responses to what you're talking about as well. You're um, really mm -hmm. unguarded in what you say. And um, I guess for me, we, we get a lot of social work students listening to our podcast. So um, we're really conscious of introducing them to different ways of being a social worker, not just doing social work, but the being of a social worker as well. Mm -hmm. Is that something yeah. that you're doing like, is that something you've really put thought into or something you've seen coming out of your podcast? I feel like, yeah, it is like, you know, because you kind of, kind of have to walk it, you know what I'm saying? If you talk it as a social worker, you know, yeah. like you really have to pay, you have to pay attention to, you know, laws in your, so like you could like to me, like, well, actually my stepdad told me that, you know, as a social worker, like it's up to you to kind of um, do the things in the community that help your clients the most. So like, you know, if you had, you know, so if you work with a LGBTQ clientele, you shouldn't be voting for um, same sex marriages only, you know, like yeah. it's kind of like, like that's not, that's, that's counterproductive, you know, and it's not really, and you're not, you know, walking like you're talking, you know, or you shouldn't be voting to like the cut um Medicaid and you know uh, food stamps and things like that so and I feel like um yeah and and social workers are social workers is easier when you're like immersed in it you know like you know when you really care about what you do for a living you know that you know like the population that I work with I really want I really want them to do well I, you know you know like I want to support them the best way I can I'm never going to vote for anything that cuts mental health services or cuts schools or take arts out of schools or, you know, or, you know, increase law enforcement in schools, you know, which, you know, you know, law enforcement might have a place in schools. I'm not saying it doesn't, but to increase it, it seems crazy, you know, like, you know, maybe one person kind of being around, but, you know, but like, as far as like six or seven, like, we don't need all that. Like you, like, like you take that money and put that money towards like, you know, um, hiring case managers or hiring, you know, more, you know, therapists or hiring more social workers or hiring, you know, so, hiring more something, you know, so, so yeah, it's just easier, you know, like when you really like are doing social work, like all the time. 
and not all the time, but like, you know, just kind of like, you know, believe in what you're selling. I think that's the, yeah, that's the unique thing about this profession though, isn't it? Is that we are our profession. Like mm-hmm. you, that the personal and the political is absolutely intertwined and the professional is intertwined for us. So yeah. um, it, there is, there, it really does lack integrity when someone, like you say, works with LGBTQ, TI clients and then votes against same sex marriage. Like you've got, there's a real mm-hmm. disconnect there. Um, definitely. And yeah. I know that's a struggle that a lot of social work students have as they're building their professional identity. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to, it's like, if that's how you feel, like then you shouldn't be a social worker, you know, like I feel like <laughs> you should do something else. You know, there's so much other things you can do, like, you know, and yeah, like if you're not going to like really like try to go out there and, you know, vote for things that help everyone then you should do something else it's yeah why would you come into yeah. sorry ben no, no i was just going to say it's so tricky because as a student you begin to realize the importance of what it is that we're saying here in this conversation and, and how it, you know you need to be advocating um at all kind of levels in your life mm-hmm. you know the lifestyle thing but at the same time we come often come with these institutionalized structures that that tell us or cultures i guess that perhaps tell us that there's certain things that are okay and certain things that are not okay and so i think of things like you know there's a lot of um a lot of young christian people or um who are kind of coming into the social work profession with a whole heap of ideals around what it is that's right or wrong but may that culture may conflict at times with certain marginalized groups out there yeah. in the community and so understanding that throughout the bachelor's degree or whatever it is is so important that reflexivity i suppose yeah and i feel like it's on like the educators to kind of push the you know push them to think about the things that they've learned kind of unlearn to do i i learned some things in grad school i'm not gonna lie to you you know uh i had a pretty important assignment when i was my first year where you recorded yourself talking like like you know like you um you gave yourself an interview in the beginning of the school year and then at the end of the school year you listen to it and <laughs> you um you uh you know like did like a little you know like a little write-up about it and i said some alarming things you know to the point where like after i learned about so many things in that course i was like damn i can't believe i even thought like that you know so yeah um so so i feel like it's on the educators if not anything like you know like like i'm not here to change anybody's mind but i'm here to like you know maybe the way you're thinking might you know might be able to uh you know have some altering you know like you 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 don't have to think about it you know like change where you like you know because you don't want to think that what you've learned is wrong but sometimes it is wrong (laughs) well it's about fine-tuning your ethics and your values isn't it like as you go along here are the values or ethics that you've brought up in and that you have come to the, um, your training with, but here are the professional ethics and values. So how can we start to bring those into line together? I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I really love about this, I guess, network of social work podcasts that are out there now, you know, Jonathan Singer's social work podcast, mm-hmm. the social work stories podcast, um, the decolonized social work podcast, all of these, the hip hop social work podcast, all of these mm-hmm. podcasts is kind of coming together and, and I guess sharing these values through the stories and the interviews that they're doing. Um, 
it's not just now in the university space, but it's just out there free for anyone to access. And I, I think yeah. that's really, I think that emergence has been really, really important for this next generation of social work students coming, yeah, coming definitely. through. Definitely. Yeah. And social work and practitioners. Wanna, uh, yeah. And uh, I want to uh, just shout out uh, my guys at the, uh, melanated social work podcast if you've heard about the melanated social work network i haven't heard of them pretty yeah it's pretty uh they're putting on for the culture over there you should check them out yeah but (laughs) but it's but it's it is crazy like to think like because when i first started doing podcasts i only found like three or four and it was like you guys jonathan singer and like they had a podcast called the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, and I know yeah. they're still doing episodes. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've come a long way, you know. Like um, we really have. <laughs> I feel like the social media um, era is kind of like giving a different light of social work. You know, like before, like it was kind of stiff. Well, it was perceived as being kind of stiff, and you know, like you know, taking kids away and things like that. But now, like people can like really show their, you know their brand and their, you know, and kind of like, you know, the things they do at work and social work isn't always, um, you know, CPS work and things like that. So I, yeah. I, I'm definitely appreciative of, of how the field is growing, but, you know, there's still ways to go. I think it's also um, able to show the difference in the um, sorts of social work that happens around the world, right? Like mm-hmm. there is that notion of a universal social work, um, that has been debated for the last um, 20 years in social work yeah. and in the profession and the scholarship. So um, I think what we're able to see now is that there are different ways of doing social work, like the discussion we've just had about the focus on mental health therapy in the States, which is a different mm-hmm. focus than what we have here in Australia. It's one of the many strands, but it's not the the only focus, right? We do have a more community-based focus as well. So and, and that's different to the UK and then that's different to other non-Western countries as well that are practising their own indigenised form of social work. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that's really unique and fabulous about this medium as well, that we can see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. This is such a great discussion. I'm so pleased to have the opportunity to um, meet you on Zoom, yeah. which is actually something that is the only, I think this is the only upside of the pandemic, is that we're <laughs> all really happy to be able to meet each other across the world. And, um, and what um, sort of things are you excited to be still doing on the Hip Hop Social Work podcast going forward? Uh, just connected with more social workers. You know, um, I feel like the pandemic really has like broke down a barrier that I had. Because before I wanted to like interview everybody in person. So like I so I, I like I really would want to like hit somebody up and be like hey do you want to get on Zoom and do an episode but with the pandemic everybody was doing video so I was like well this is kind of like hey now it's like the norm so it really like kind of made me step my you know step my game up a little bit and like not really being like scared to reach out to people and just to get an interview so um, yeah so that's been good uh, so yeah I just want to keep talking to more social workers I want to keep expanding the the narrative. I want social workers to come on and, um, you know, um, share their brand, you know, share their journey. Uh, 
I would like one day to kind of develop like a radio show, maybe, you know, uh, I went to a, I went to a conference and the guy was kind of telling us like, Hey, you know, like, like, like these networks are looking for professionals to, you know, give their feedback and give, you know, and just kind of talk about these things. So, so that's something that I, you know, I might, I, I might play around with, uh, in the future. Um, but yeah, I just want to keep, uh, having a conversation and keep uh yeah, just keep talking to different social workers and seeing what kind of network i can you know we can build during this process yeah awesome that's fantastic mm-hmm. and just shrinking the world as we go along right so that we can all keep talking it's good yeah you will you know so uh what kind of social work do do you two do well i um i have been an academic now for um over 10 years. Um, and then before that, I was a hospital-based social worker um, in primarily in hospitals and community health and in palliative care and um, intensive care units of death and dying areas. Mm, yeah. How was that? Oh, just light, you know, side gig that I did. <laughs> yeah, that sounds tough. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still it's still my clinical passion area. And I particularly really liked your uh, podcast episode on what's grief. Um, and our listeners on the social work stories podcast know that Liz and I talk quite a lot about death and dying because it's the area that both of us have really focused on in our career. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's important that you have your area that actually you're really passionate about. Um, it grounds Um, you in the everyday experiences of people, I think. Definitely. Well, so like what, cause to me like death and dying, like, well, before I had a daughter or a kid in general, you know what I'm saying? Um, like, I feel like I was very, like, I remember thinking, like, I could do that kind of social work, you know what I'm saying? That, that wouldn't be a problem. But then, like, having, like, that kind of experience of, like, sharing, like, just kind of sharing, like, just kind of having to be open. I feel like that kind of really, like, now it's like, I cannot, like, I couldn't do death and dying, like, as, like, as a, like, as a job. So, so how, so how does one, like, you know, get up in the morning and face that? No. Yeah, I mean, I I always found it just utterly um, humbling and an absolute honour and privilege to be allowed into such vulnerable spaces with people. Um, but you know, I have the same reaction as you to child protection. Um, mm-hmm. I just I never really wanted to do it, and then I had children, and that confirmed for me that I never wanted to do that yeah. area of practice. Right? right. Like. Yeah. I think this is part of us knowing ourselves as people first and then as social workers as well and bringing those mm-hmm. two things together. I know. What about you, Ben? Where, what's your background? Yeah, we were just saying kind of off camera earlier, Mim, um, how I, I've had this kind of strange experience over the last 10 years or so of just doors presenting themselves and just kind of stepping through them and, and seeing what comes of them. So I've, I've done um, casework in the aged care sector, casework in complex mental health, um, teaching at university, the social work degrees. I'm now working as a uh, community development um, officer, I suppose, um, working with a mentoring program for teenage boys and as part of that, my job is to research the impact of this mentoring program in their lives and how it is that mentors can really, I guess, facilitate opportunities for teenage boys to, uh, one, understand their masculinity and the diversities and inclusivities that are 
involved in masculinity, um, breaking down some of those stereotypes and myths of manhood, as well as creating capital in their lives. So working out how it is that, that these boys who are often coming from pretty underprivileged circumstances to, uh, I guess, get some social mobility into their lives. So that's where I am at the moment. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a fun kind of transient career so far and, and I've really enjoyed that. And I think that conversation that we've been having so far about stepping back from social work and not necessarily just kind of boxing ourselves into one specific role has been really, I guess, important to me in my career and just saying, yeah. actually, social work's so broad and, and I love it for that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like one day I want to step away from direct service, but right now it's what I do well. So hmm. I'm just keep yeah. keep on chugging. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah. And you know, and, and just going back to that importance, I think of um, working with vulnerable people in the everyday, right? And mm -hmm. like just listening to the way you speak about your practice as well, Chris. I'm thinking, oh, I'm itching to get back out there as well. Like, you mm. know, there's. Um, the social worker within us all uh, starts at this place of working with people, you know, in that very interpersonal sense. But then we have to, once we start meeting all those issues, it's the more macro perspective that then does mean we want to do different things in different ways and create change in other areas. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, yeah. and I feel like, you know, like I'm doing my part, but hopefully, you know, like sometimes I feel like bad because, the system as a whole, like, creates a lot of these mental health issues that my clients deal with, like, you know, like the stress of having them pay bills and, you know, the rent is high and the food is high and every everything is so expensive to live and because of, like, anxiety and it's, I feel like, I just feel kind of, I always feel kind of bad, like, man, like, the system should be better before I start telling people to cope with things, you know, but that's where we're at. That's <laughs> a struggle. My sense is that there's a real energy out there at the moment to actually create some change and, and to, to get out there and, and yeah, I guess yeah, point a finger is. at the system and go, come on, like let's, we're better than yeah, this. You know? There is like, I know a few years ago before like this movement happened, uh, Portland was really put on the spot because the, uh, the gentrification was so like, was so like noticeable. Like you went from having like, 80% of your black population living in one area and then like six years later, it's like 2% or something crazy like that, you know? And then the housing market got so crazy and then we started seeing this influx of homelessness. So, so it was like, so, so like, I think, you know, everybody's starting like, hey, you know, like we got to figure this out. So now there's like, you know, like there's more affordable housing being built, but you know, but I feel like there's more we can do. Like, it's not just affordable housing. Like, we gotta have jobs. We gotta have resources. We gotta just have. We gotta have like, just just a community. You know, like I feel like out, people are it's out for themselves. But but I I do think that you know there is a there is a push that people are wanting to change. You know, like people aren't really they're 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 tired of it, and we're pushed to a brink to where it's like all right now it's like either we keep laying down or you know or we keep or we try to fight. You know, like I feel like the civil rights movement was good but but i don't really think that it like in hindsight it had some changes but i don't know but people really didn't realize like the systematics of things you know like mm. so 
now people are understanding like systematic oppression and how like policies work and how you know just how like you know uh culture works at a, a work spot where you know like um you know like you can be person who's hired, um, you know, you know, for like affirmative action, but then like well, the culture is going to be so bad, it's you know, like you know, you're going to quit. <laughs> like it's going, you're not going to want to stay there. And then the person's like, "Well, we, we know we tried." You know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's just like my, you know, like that's my like conspiracy thinking. But I do think that happens when like people are like you know they say, "Oh, you know what? Well, let's just hire someone and make it so terrible that you know yeah. that it's set up you know, to fail." Yeah, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or things like that, like where, you know, somebody has a job that they know, you know what I'm saying, like, like, it's going to be hard, you know, so like, you know, like, I know a few years ago, my uh, friend had, his mom was a principal out in, um, you know, a town in, in, in Oregon, and it was like set up, you know, for her to just fail, and, you know, and that's kind of what they did, and then, yeah, that's kind of like, they just set her up to, you know, mm-hmm. take an L, you know, and that's kind of what, you know, that's what they do, you know, they, and then, because even I worked in a program like that, you know, for the school district, we had so much pressure on us, there was no way we could have pleased everyone, and then after a while, they disbanded the program, <laughs> you know, so, so, so those kind of things happen, but I do feel like there, there's more awareness, but, you know, there, we, we have ways to go, but more people are being, you know, um, more people are being woke up to like, you know, like, you know, like all the foolishness that is going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's actually a really good perspective to be able to come to. I think that actually yeah. at least we're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, depending on the election, you know, we'll see if that, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, yeah. Yeah. Have know. a different, <laughs> another conversation after the election. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but uh, but yeah, it, you know, but I'm glad that you know, from the outsider's perspective, you know, perspective, it looks like, you know, that there's some things changing. I'm glad that you know, people are picking that up because, because for a while, I feel like we were a laughing stock. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. <laughs> I think that's hard. I think what's really co- like a in in a kind of silver lining of. The, the whole awfulness that's been the last four years culminating in the Black Lives Matter movement and the um, COVID pandemic, um, you know, just the awfulness that you know, has been created um, recently. My sense is that social workers have really developed some skills in resisting. And, and I find that to be a really positive thing. Uh, I'm really kind of buoyed by that. I think that's, that's exciting to me. So regardless of, you know, I mean, it'd be great if Biden gets in and I'm you know, putting my politics out there as an Australian, yeah. it'd be great <laughs> if Biden gets in. Um, but still, I think that, you know, the skills that social workers have learned to resist the system will continue to create change even under a Biden pre- presidency or back here under a Morrison um, yeah. prime ministership or whoever it may be whether it's liberal or labor in, in terms of Australian politics, you know, we've learnt skills um, to resist these horrific systems that we are often oppressed by. And that's, yeah. that's exciting think, for me. Yeah. Also, I think not just resist, but come together and collectivize. Like yeah. I think we've come back to something that I feel like as a profession, we did lose, which was around working together as a movement of people, as opposed to working individually with individuals and families. And I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, well, I mean, like I said, I don't really know. I'm kind of new to the thing, but I feel like, um, like that was a focus for a long time. It was like, like even talking to my uh, old boss, he said when he was in grad school in MSW program, um, race was never talked about. It was always about like poverty in families, and race was never like even mentioned. So yeah, and that times was they are a changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, that's awesome. Hey, on that um, really positive note, I'm thinking we might sadly have to say goodbye to this conversation um, and uh, potentially try and connect up at a later point and see how, um, how the temperature's changed. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good to me. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. We hugely, hugely appreciate it. A shout out to all the hip hop social worker listeners out there as well. And, um, and uh, this is goodbye from us at Social Work Stories Podcast. Thanks, Ben, for jumping onto this conversation. Thanks, guys. It was awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.